Welcome to Hacking Everything, the cultures and politics of hackers and software workers. This podcast invites researchers who study what it is to be a hacker or computer engineer or what it means to hack technical, individual, state or corporate powers. We will think through what the hack means and what hacking does to all of us. This is the second edition of this series, where we turned a regular old academic conference panel into a podcast. What conference, you ask? This episode was recorded live at the European Association for the Study of Science and Technology conference in Madrid on July 7, 2022. So stay with us, your hosts, Paula Bialski, Matsi Oyala and me, Andreas Bischoff, as we throw out the PowerPoints and turn on the microphones and take you into the world of hacking. Okay, so in this uh, episode, we welcome Ola Michalek from. Is this? This is get Michalets? me. Michalets. Michalets. Okay, right. All right. Okay, good to have two Polish people against one. Yeah. Begin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, re retry. In this session, we welcome Ola Michalets. Hello. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Go for it. Keep going. Go. We <laughs> get this. Give up. We give up. No. Okay. It is so embarrassing. Uh, from uh, Bristol University, in a talk that is titled "Engineering." Engineer as a service. What is the future of engineering professionals in the digital world? That's a lot. So for decades, uh, nuclear plants, power stations, wastewater facilities were safe from the kind of hype of digital innovations. And these industries have traditionally been operated by industrial control systems. Uh, and they're like fairly simple computers, uh, kind of using just binary logic to enable the kind of movement and sensing of this engineering machinery and apparatus. So recently, however, uh, some industry experts uh, have already kind of announced that modern computing, whatever we will learn more about what modern comp computing is, uh, have announced that this modern computing is like blending in with these legacy engineering systems. This sounds really interesting. And Ola, uh, your research asks, uh, like, who is doing the blending and kind of revolutionizing Uh, and uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing about your interesting research, Ola. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Okay, so let's let's start let's start slow, and I'd like you to give a bit of a description on uh, definition terms. So we're talking about critical infrastructure. So I want to know what is the difference between computers and critical infrastructures? How are they different from our laptops or our smartphones? Yeah, so sure. Thank you very much. A good question and fundamental for understanding this research, really, because they are very different two kinds of computers. They're not like our laptops or smartphones whatsoever. So when we talk about digital technologies, often in conferences like this, we imagine AI, robots, fancy, future, sexy technologies. And unfortunately, the technologies I work with are very unsexy and gray and old. You know, some would people say boring. I find them interesting. And they are different in every possible sense. Material, epistemic, cultural, organizational, you know, think about power stations or train stations, you know, they very much 
huge hierarchical organizations that are very slow, very resistant to the sort of innovation hype. Uh, but moving closer to the research topic, the main difference is internet connectivity. So um, industrial computing has traditionally not been connected to the public internet. You would have computers connected to each other and, you know, operating trains going up and down the train tracks, but they wouldn't be connected to the World Wide Web. And that's really, that's a deal breaker because if you connect engineering um, technologies which are built for durability, safety, reliability to the internet, you connect, you opening a, a a Pandora box of cybersecurity, privacy, and a whole lot of other very spicy digital risks. So really introducing this, these new technologies to this old world uh, is really, really difficult. And, you know, it's not just layering one uh, technology on top of another. So in engineering terms, we call it um, managing tensions and requirements. So requirements are, again, as I said, reliability, safety, security, and so on, so on. So there's already existing STS research about uh, those requirements. I need to mention it to give credit. So scholars, for example, uh, like uh, John Downer or uh, Peter Norton would notice uh, that these requirements are not just natural laws from above. They, they are socially constructed. Safety is socially constructed. People make decisions about what is safe enough on on regular basis. So this is pretty much the vein of that research, this understanding social construction of, the, of those requirements. Um, so a really good um, sorry, a really good illustration of those tensions is our case study um, of network and information system security directive. So unless you're in the field, it's probably the biggest, the most impactful directive you've never heard of. <laughs> I've never heard about it. Oh, I know. Has anyone heard about it? Yeah, well. <laughs> so, and the, the directive is uh, operational in the EU and uh, in the UK, and it's all about those critical infrastructure technologies having to comply with cybersecurity requirements. Um, and yeah, and it turns out it's really different because people are very much stuck in the, you know, 50-year-old way. So, yeah, difficult. <laughs> Great. And so, uh, just to help us understand then a little bit, like, how are these engineers then, like, resolving and kind of navigating these, uh, kind of tensions between these, uh, let's call them like legacy technologies or like old, nice, uh, working, solid, safe things, like, that bring me, bring me pleasure. <laughs> and then there's all this in, incoming innovation, AI, internet, all these, uh, dodgy things that sounds, a little bit. How yeah. do they navigate this boundary? Oh, in many, many ways, and some of them are less successful than others. Uh, but first of all, you can have a little plug to my article that it's uh, out uh, literally a few days ago in the Big Data Society. So I'm going to the very high, uh, you know, good level of depth about those tensions and managing those tensions. But today I'm just going to give you a very quick overview. So I'm going to start with the, with the good that the good practices of harmonization of those tensions. So first of all, what we need to realize is that cybersecurity is far more than just protecting com computer networks. And actually, governments are very open about it. If you open any government cybersecurity strategy, they're saying, of course, yeah, we're protecting our networks from the Russians, from the Chinese. But more, more than others, we're building new digital market. We're building world-leading digital market. We're making sure that innovations are more acceptable to the industry. So very much this this pushing this acceptable innovation as they, um, they interest. But second is also about creating good collaboration opportunities. So for example, 
Nesta, our case study, is an outcome-based regulation, which in law means that it's this very high-level regulation. There is no specific um, tasks for engineers to fulfill. It's not like, oh, we need to install this computer of this brand you know, every two years. No, it's very high level. It's very open to interpretation by design. And this is done because, um, because the government claims that, you know, we need to catch up with innovation. We need to, you know, stay ahead because computers ch are changing all the time. Um, and yeah, that's very tricky. Um, and it's tricky because, um, the level of expertise in cybersecurity is just very low in critical infrastructures. People just don't really know how to, what to do with those very loose uh, regulations. So what they happened, what they did, um, operators created a sort of an exam board, like a benchmarking exercise. So they met all in one big group and they just compared notes. Okay. I've spent this much money on this. Okay. I've hired. 500 people, okay. So they essentially work together despite being competitors in the, you know, otherwise to create this kind of risk thinking uh, hive mind. And third is this idea of reporting incidents versus accidents. So again, in engineering world, uh, Accidents are, you know, bad luck, bad weather, something that happened accidentally. Incidents are malicious uh, on purpose. Someone attacked you. Um, and again, that distinction exists. And that's why we talk about safety and security as two different things. However, what have uh, the regulators done? They put reporting incidents and accidents under the same umbrella, under the same process to um, destigmatize cybersecurity. So, you know, if you fall on the banana skin, no one's gonna laugh at you, hopefully, because it's, you know, it's a bad luck, but it's poor for you. But if you fall uh, to a phishing attack, people might might be, you know, considering, oh, you're such a boomer. Sorry, like you don't know how to use a computer. So essentially what they try to do, they try to destigmatize cybersecurity to make sure they are reported together. Okay, and now on to the kind of negative stuff. So um, first, first of all, we, uh, encounter the secrecy is a, it's a big thing. It's a big thing in cybersecurity. People thrive on this um, asymmetry of information. People love to tell you, hey, I've got a meeting with someone, but I can't tell you with whom and what about. And, you know, this is great if you are in this kind of stuff, but uh, because critical infrastructure security relies on collaboration, you know, it's really hard to collaborate if you keep so many secrets. So that's a big, big problem. And just as a little uh, side note, just off script, but what do you mean by people? Can you just give us a little painting of who you're talking to here? And oh, where so we're... many different actors. Okay, um, okay. So, so I guess two, diff two major tribes are the um, IT pro professionals, so computer security professionals and process safety engineers. So, and, you know, engineers, because they were operating previously disconnected computers, they wouldn't really have to know much about the internet and now they have to teach each other about you know how they pro pro professions and training differ so this is the kind of the the biggest clash we encounter and this is a there. uk organization or in around bristol the, the case studies and is the uk wide but the, okay. the uh, regulation is eu and uk yeah cool clarified good sure Keep going. Yeah. and the final i guess uh, problem is the the logics of risk assessment so i'm, I'm glad you've also mentioned risk because it's a, a big big word in that in that world of engineering people love to think about you know what can go wrong uh, and in safety the risk is based on the past and it's probabilistic so they would perhaps take a one component evolve and you know try to hammer it multiple times and then do maths on it how many times it broke so you've got this abundance of past data from testing and in cybersecurity you can't really do that you need to kind of do a little bit of oracle from the future you know mm -hmm. oh who's gonna attack me like what sort of capabilities they have so we, we don't really know mm -hmm. so there is this tension between you know 
risk based on the past and risk based on the future. And it's really, really hard to navigate between that as well. Cool. Um, I just also, maybe you could also tell us, how do you imagine living in a world with interconnected automated energy, transport or water systems <laughs> that actually kind of like work somehow yeah, together? Yeah, yeah. I'm imagining somehow that my nuclear plant is directly connected to Reddit. Well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I guess this is one of those things which at the moment is more of a fantasy of, you know, governments, regulators, engineers, rather than, you know, an, a reality. And that's something that will personally love to pursue in the future. Um, so I think as SDS scholars, we should pay more attention to glitches, errors, fuck ups, you know, any things that go wrong. And I think there, we need to rebalance. There is a lot of moralistic critique of, you know, evil big tech. And sometimes bad things happen not because of capitalism, but because of really mundane or even banal flaws, you know. Maybe you put your if you put your comment in the wrong decimal place, or maybe you made like a really silly assumption about something because you were tired. You know, that's really banal stuff. So mm. I really want to get more into that and, you know, understand to what extent errors are a bug or a feature of the system. You know, what kind of errors can we live with in those future interconnected systems? So, yes, that's it for me. Great. Great. Thank you that's so much. Great. Thank you. This is wonderful. Yeah. This episode was produced by Paula Bialski, Masi Oyala and Andreas Bischoff and recorded live at the European Association for the Study of Science and Technology Conference in Madrid on July 7, 2022. Sound editing and music was done by Hates Beats at Hot Milk Productions with special funding from the Chemnitz University of Technology. Special thank you to all the panelists and audience members of our Hacking Everything panel at this year's EAST 2022 conference.